Welcome back to Rethink It, a place for discussing education interventions and how we implement them. This episode, we are focusing on routine. And of course, we are continuing to look at Charles Duhigg's definition of the habit loop, how habits are formed. Last episode, we dealt with Q. And this episode, we're looking at routine. And we have with us a pleasant teacher from Brevard County Public Schools. And first, he will tell us about himself, and then we will roll right into how he utilizes routine to impact learning in his classroom. Mr. Bignado, tell us about yourself. Good evening, Dr. Watts. Um, I'm an educator from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that has found his uh, place educating at Heritage High School in Brevard Public Schools. Um, I've been there for six years now, and I'm proud to be a Panther. Um, over those six years, I have been attempting to continue to hone my routine in an attempt to provide my students a foundation that allows them to engage in deeper learning through um, authentic learning opportunities. Awesome. So tell me about your deliberate use of routine and why you decided on that approach. Um, my interest in a deliberate routine started out of um, two, two, two concepts, actually. One that I picked up in a book called The Talent Code, where um, it discusses deliberate practice and, and the importance of deliberate, repetitive practice. And then through taking that concept and, and molding it with a blended learning model of using an online um portion uh, online aspect of a classroom as well as a traditional model of a classroom bringing that deliberate practice and routine into the blended approach through a station rotation model of blended learning um it didn't take very long uh, probably about a quarter to figure out that the station rotation was not going to work um at the high school level after much tweaking i developed a routine that uses a set of daily activities to analyze and evaluate the text my students read. This approach is designed to minimize variance in the activity in order to allow deliberate practice of a selected skill. Wow. So, and that's what I always say to teachers. We are master craftsmen and women. So if somebody created something and it did not work for your students, instead of dumping it, and we do that so often in education, we say, it didn't work, and then we throw it out the window. But you're saying to me, you read something, you looked at it, it did not work, but instead of dumping it, you modified it to suit your setting, and you are finding great results in that. What I want to ask you is how significant or how much impact would you say that that process or that routine has had on your students and their learning? Um, I would say that the routine, it's, um, as far as getting their, their success, I, I believe that a habit can be a contributor of, of success and a positive trend in testing scores, but I would not go as far to say that the habit itself creates the positive trend. Um, the impact habit has on learning, I think is hard to measure because like I, as it, it's more of a foundation for learning than a catalyst of learning. 
establishing the habit frees brain power to be focused on the learning opportunity that the teacher facilitates, which then result, uh, which through authentic learning and environment. And then, and then once that habits formed, the teacher still has to bring authentic learning opportunities to the students. So I, I think the habits very instrumental and it's a massive contributor to a, a positive classroom, but it's, 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 it's just a foundation of that positive classroom. Awesome. So you're saying that, yes, it is important, but we have to continue. In other words, we don't just leave them in automatic mode and move on. We have to ensure that now that we've had them where we want them, now we want to make sure that they are learning. Absolutely. I've actually, I've kind of learned that the hard way in the sense that when my, when I'm not in the room, whether I have stepped out for, um, on the, on assignment leave or I'm out for sickness. If I'm not in the room, I find that my, my students' habits tend to, um, they, they have a hard time following through on the habit without me as that support system to get them through the habits. Excellent. And that actually was one of my questions. I wanted to ask, how does it hold when you're not there? And for example, for how long would you have had to leave in order for you to see the lapse in whatever is happening? And you just answered that. And I am so thankful. We will be right back. Mr. Bignada, you said something that was really instrumental or quite, how would I say it, holds a lot of truth. That yes, we can formulate those habits, but we still must ensure that we set an opportunity because learning must, must continue. The habit puts the brain into the automatic mode, but then we must ensure that we continue teaching so that students can learn. So based on what you've said and based on your experience, I, wanna, I want you to share your, and based on your level of success, what message can you pass on to other educators about implementation of interventions in their classroom? I think my uh, one message would be maintaining consistent expectations and routine allows students to focus on improving skill. However, demanding consistent results and routine creates anxiety that distracts students from attempting the learning objective. Know when your students are working in the power zone and don't be afraid to reward them for their dedicated efforts to the complex curriculum provided to them. Instead of starting the next text or the next unit the day after completing a, regular, a rigorous formal writing practice, maybe do something like providing the students lyrics to a relevant song to read and listen to have a small group or a whole class discussion following the class listening to the brainstorm and analyze i just students they need the time to absorb complex texts before they just jump into the next set the brain needs to recover just like any part of the human anatomy so make sure you're pushing put you push those students and, and, and you want to maintain expectations but not demand those consistent um goals Wow, this is powerful. You made reference to the word reward a while ago, and we're going to come to that because this is actually the third ingredient in the habit loop, according to Charles Duhigg and all of the other great guys before him, like Hopkins and Schultz. And so I want you to hold that thought because I'm going to ask you to share with us what do you mean when you say rewarding them because that's a powerful word 
And we want to talk about that a little later. But before that, I wanted to mention to us again that book that you referenced. Did you say the talent code? Can you tell us who it is by? Yes, the talent code is by Daniel Coyle. And D Daniel Coyle essentially um, investigates and explores different talent pools across the globe. Um, Brazilian soccer mat, um, players and Russian tennis stars. And, and he, he, he wants to find why such great athletes come out of such um such struggle and such poor conditions sometimes and he he, he found his findings are that it's it, it's not in the resources that you have but it's in the deliberate practice and in the desire to grow and the, the the opportunity that you allow yourself to make mistakes and learn from them but Mr. Bignato, um, you know, I like books. And of course, I'm going to look up Mr. Daniel Quill. And also, I'm going to look for the talent code. But here's what I want to say to you. You said something that despite of what struggles they came from, but everything you said so far, it sounded more like an intrinsic desire. It's like the person came from a struggle, but they wanted to do better. And so they did. You and I both know that the students sitting in our classrooms do not all want to be there. How do you apply the principles that Daniel is expressing in that book? How do you apply that to your classrooms? How do we make that deliberate? You said deliberate practice. But when I have deliberate a student, practice. yeah, but when I have a student who sits in my classroom who wants to sleep deliberately, how do I how do I how do I translate that? This this is this is the hardest part of, of, of the teaching process. We when when we have to meet the students where they are, and 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 bring them from where they are to where we need them to be. We cannot let ourselves um, lose our standards. The standard is the standard, and it must be maintained. However, it's our job to go meet the student where they are and what what skill level they are. Engage them, and then bring them to the standard that we need them to reach. Wow, that's powerful. And I just wish it sounded as easy as you make it sound. But um, after being in education for 30 years, I can tell you that there are some students who just need that one voice, that one piece of kindness, and they get to where you want them. And then there are the others we just keep knocking and we're not sure when we're going to get to them. But I want to say that I am very much impressed and I'm thankful for introducing me to another piece of um, research or another piece of, what would I say, it? good material. I'm going to look up the talent code and I am definitely interested in people who, are, who, who study, people who are very successful. And that's what Mr. Charles Duhigg does in his, in his investigative researching. He looks at outstanding businesses like, you know, Target and, and Starbucks and all of those and see how they have utilized the principles of habit to actually, you know, make millions. And I am happy that you're finding the same kind of success by looking at the talent code. I want to say thank you so much for joining me in this episode. And I definitely want to speak to you further on reward because you mentioned it earlier and reward is a significant aspect of the habit loop reward is extremely important and in, 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 in not only 
the students learning, but also building that intrinsic motiva motivation that we talked about earlier. And I can't wait to explain about how I use reward to hold my students accountable and build intrinsic motivation. All right. Well, thank you and see you next time. See you next time. Hi, Martha. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I just love how you are able to get to the meat of the concept and explain it so fully. Thank you so much. Dr. Combs, thank you so much for leaving this message. I value your comment and I will do my best to ensure that I continue to make things plain, especially where education is concerned. Thank you so much. And I want to say thank you also to Mr. Bignado at this point for agreeing to be my first guest. I really appreciate both of you. Thank you. Fellow listeners, thank you so much for your listen. This has been your host, Dr. Martha Joseph Watts. And for this episode, we had our first guest, Mr. Jeffrey Bagnado, a teacher in the Brevard Public School System. We also had our first message from Dr. Nicole Combs, also a teacher in Brevard Public School System. Tonight, we dealt with routine, the second ingredient of the habit loop. According to Charles Duhigg, the routine is the series of steps or the action that follows the cue, and it could be physical, mental, or emotional. Remember, we're looking at the impact of habit on the implementation of interventions in education, and we will invite more guests and we also would like for you to leave a message. You can download the Anchor app, sign in, and you will be able to leave a message for this episode or any previous or future episodes. Thank you again for your listen. And remember, wherever you listen to podcasts, look for Rethink It. And you can listen, like, share, or leave a comment. We appreciate you. Bye-bye and see you next time.